people are motivated by so much more these days. They're motivated by like passions. They're motivated by, you know, working with a community they love that they identify with. They're motivated by work-life balance, by the ability to like pursue traveling and spending time with friends and family. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Brianna Autry, Community Lead at Adaptive Ops, working for Tonkin, and I'm joined here by Zara Bukhari. She is the Director of Sales Operations at Clavio. How are you doing, Zara? How's it going? How are you feeling today? I'm good. It's end of month, end of quarter, so it's, you know, crazy, but I'm, I'm good. It's a nice summer day in Boston. Good. All right. So you're in Boston. Okay. So what's it what's it like in Boston this time of year? Does it get like humid? I've never been there. It's so funny you say that. I hate summers in Boston because <laughs> of the humidity. But yeah. this summer is so different. It's like a nice cool breeze while you're walking down the street. Humidity is about like 60% at most, which is like good here. Normally yeah. it's like 50%. So I'm happy. My hair is happy. So that's all that matters. As long as your hair is happy in the humidity, it's going to be a good summer. That's what I exactly. would say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about how the Great Resignation and the recession are affecting business operations. We thought it would be a timely topic for everyone here today. When I initially spoke with Zara, she was talking about scaling a team, hiring efforts and everything that goes into that. So I thought that Zara would be a perfect person to talk to us about this today. Before I jump into our topic, just a couple announcements at the top. We'll be skipping next week's episode for the 4th of July holiday, but then I'll be joined by Aparna Narayanan. She's the head of IT strategy operations and portfolio at Block. And then for those of you who aren't aware, um, this podcast is put on by our Adaptive Ops community. It is a community of business operations professionals who collaborate, learn, and grow together cross-functionally. So legal ops, sales ops, et cetera, any ops function, you're welcome to join. Just go to operations.community and you can become a member. It takes two minutes and it is free. All right. So now that that's out of the way, I want to talk to you, Zara, and get to know you a little bit before we dive into our topic. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your background? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, I started my career actually in asset management. I spent six years there, probably a little, a lot longer than I should have. I uh, started in a very administrative role, and then I went on to a selling team that sold like exchange traded funds to hedge funds and asset, other hedge funds and asset managers. And I, I hated selling. I was really bad at it. I think everyone thought because I was friendly and like chatty that I would be great in sales, which is like the farthest thing from the truth. It's like every sales ops person's origin story. Yeah, I think I just found an opportunity there. You know, the finance industry is pretty behind um, and they were implementing Salesforce. There was a lot of like content required and ops. So I was like, let me just become sort of like maybe a, a more operational person. And I really didn't know what that meant at the time. Right. I didn't know sales ops existed. Again, everyone's origin story. Did that for a couple of years, had, you know, really great feedback on the work I was doing to an extent. And um, I was like, I need someone who can teach me, right? I can only do so well. So I ended up joining a startup in Boston uh, that a friend was at. And I really was like a jack of all trades when it came to sales ops. I was doing deal desk. I was doing, you know, performance reporting. I was doing enablement. I was doing, you name it, I was trying to get my, my feet wet. And then we had, at the time, our admin leave. 
and it was an opportunity for me to, to get my sales certification, learn how to admin. And I was really doing everything at that point. It was like pre-sale, post-sale. The company at the time was about 25 million, so it was manageable. And it was great. I was learning so much. And then our head of sales at the time was going to Clavio. And he was like, sorry, you got to come with me. You know, we're growing super fast, you know, doubling and, you know, revenue, headcount, customer count. And, you know, coming from a company that was so retention oriented, which a lot of startups are right when they're just sort of like fighting to maintain their revenue. I was like the idea of hyper growth. I didn't even know what to, to expect. And so we went from, you know, a 12 person sales team. It was myself and a co-op doing, you know, ops. I was doing Salesforce admin at the time. We were building out forecasting, everything. And now we I have a team of, of, of about 25, which is amazing. And we have a systems team, we have an insights team, we have a deal desk team. So um, I feel very fortunate. I'm really excited. Um, continuing to grow the team, continuing to learn things. So, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Well, it sounds like you've had a really good career in operations. I always like to have people on the, these calls kind of share their background because I think ops is sort of uncharted territory career wise and a lot of people sort of fall into it. So yeah. it's nice that you found what you wanted to do. It sounds like fairly quickly. Yeah. Six years. <laughs> it feels fast when you say it to me, but yes, yeah, I guess that's not that fast. A lifetime. <laughs> um, and what does Clavio do for those who don't know? So Clavio is a SaaS platform. We do data analytics and marketing communications for specifically e-commerce brands. So like whenever I'm at home and my parents are like, what does that even mean? E-commerce brands are always engaging with us. Um, and the ones that do it well are the ones that give us very personalized engagement. So if let's say, you know, there's a really amazing drop on a skincare item that you love and they know to reach out to you via some sort of push or email or text, it's through a platform like ours. Oh, so when I get all those like Sephora marketing emails that are just like the one thing I really wanted but didn't know I needed, that's you guys Why are behind that. Four. Yeah, exactly. Gosh darn it, getting me to spend <laughs> we're money. Helping, we're helping the small <laughs> businesses grow. That's the part I really love. You know, there's like yeah. the brands we work with that are amazing, but it, it is exciting to know that like you hear the stories of some of our customers and it's like, you know, they were Zara who just had a passion and they went yeah. off and started like a sunglasses website. You know, mm. and then it became like their full time job and they're employing their entire family and they're doing all this great stuff. And then you hear about those and they're like, I couldn't have done it without Clavia. That feels so good to hear. So, yeah, that's a good mission you guys have. Um, so I want to I want to dig into the topic a little bit more and I have some stats to share with you guys. So just to level set on where we are at in the market, a record four point five million workers quit their jobs in March of twenty twenty two beating the previous series high of 4.5 million in November of 2021. In addition, the number of technology companies laying off employees has increased every month since January, reaching 95 in June, affecting more than 48,000 people. So we are in a moment right now. And I just want to dig into how this is. I know it's affecting everyone, but this is a business operations community and podcast so I want to talk about how it affects business ops. So because you're in the middle of building your team, how has the great resignation affected this for you? Yeah, I have so many thoughts about this. And just knowing that our time is limited, I feel like I have to I have to like scratch the surface. You know, when I think about ops, it's a very it's sort of like a young path. 
right? It's been happening forever. There have been people keeping the lights on and, you know, allowing teams to be efficient, but it's never been organized in the way it is today. And one thing that, you know, people of my generation have had to do is also advocate for the importance of operations, right? Advocate that just because we're not a direct revenue generating team, we're the ones who actually accelerate revenue, right? So in doing that, I think about like we have all these young people that we hire because, you know, they're earlier in their career, they're a little cheaper. And now they're the ones who are really pushing this great resignation, right? They're realizing, and I think you and I chatted about this a little bit, that like making money isn't exciting the way it was for me when I got out of college and, you know, a company chose me. I had no interest in what they were doing. I just knew I was going to get a paycheck, right? People are motivated by so much more these days. They're motivated by like passions. They're motivated by, you know, working with a community they love that they identify with. They're motivated by work-life balance, by the ability to like pursue traveling and spending time with friends and family. And, you know, I think people like sort of like who are older are kind of like, oh, in my day, like company wasn't talking about X, Y, Z. And it's like, that might be true. But the reality is, is that like our new generation is dictating what's important to them. And I think as a result, we're seeing now like this like great resignation, right? A lot of these people are kind of like, okay, this company isn't serving what I'm looking for. So I'm going to go off and, and find what is. That's my opinion. I could 100% be wrong. But I work with a lot of really young people and I feel that. And I think I'm very lucky in that I've built a really good relationship with a lot of the people on my team. And I've really focused from an early on, from a selfish perspective, just a team that I like being around, right? I like to have fun. I like to chat. And I think that's reaped benefits at this point. Thank God. Um, And I, I have my team to also credit. I think they've done a really good job at like, you know, keeping the excitement, the collaboration, all of that. But yeah, I did have one person quit last year. It was my first person I had quit when my team was at this size. She quit because she was burnt out. She was doing I'm, I'm not going to go too much into her details because I want to obviously, you know, respect her privacy. But she was doing a, a function that no other person on the team was working on. And she was unable to find that community within the team to get support. She was unable to lean on people. It was me. If she she needed help, I was online with her, at, you know, late at night trying to help her. And that didn't feel good for her. She wanted a team. And so she was like, I'm going to go off and just figure out what I want. She did amazing things. She went on a retreat. She did all this great stuff. And I was like sort of chalking it up to like, okay, she, you know, this is just, she just needed a change only to find out she went to another company where there was a team doing what she did. So what we did is we turned around and we're like, we need to start a team for this function. We can't let someone do this alone. And so there's a lot of like learning. I am very proud to say, I think we've done a really good job avoiding the resignation um, but that one person I, I, I've taken a lot of learnings from. And I think, you know, I'd like to think that we're we're improving from there. Well, I think that the fact that you took that and made changes internally as a result speaks volumes to Thanks. the management that you're pursuing. So well done. Let's talk about the recession. Have you guys seen anything with your current hiring and how that's affecting it or? Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, it's not lost on me how like privileged I am to say this. Like our, our company is not impacted the way I've seen other companies be impacted. And I think we're in some ways we're benefiting that there's like really great talent that's, you know, people are losing their jobs, not because they're not operating at the level they need to be operating at, but more because the company can't sustain, you know, um, whatever, manage, keeping that role. Admittedly, it's so new that we're hearing like every week, like, oh, this competitor had a layoff. This one had one. So I'm really just like now starting to look through the folks who could have been impacted. And I'm trying to to reach out with the opportunities we have available. 
so yeah, we're not feeling it as much, but you know, especially being in, in the position I'm in, it's a part of my job to consider how the market effects ultimately impact our ability to go out and do what we need to do to continue growing. So it's kind of like, a, does it impact our hiring as much right now? No, but we have to be conservative, right? We have to make sure that we're we're staying, you know, I don't want to say recession proof because at the end of the day, we're not in a recession yet. But, you know, for if we do and then, you know, we have to consider, like, how can we make maybe some other people's, you know, misfortunes a benefit that they can come to us. Right. And, 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 and have a great career here. Yeah, I think I've been thinking so much about the people that the companies that had to lay off. I'm not. I haven't thought about the companies that are able to absorb that talent in that position to do so. So this is a positive thing for a lot of companies out there that, that haven't had to do layoffs, which is great. This topic is really interesting to me. And I was reading some stuff and a lot of these articles are basically saying like, oh, the people who are involved in the great resignation are going to like quickly change their tune because a recession is coming. Mm. A recession has kind of been here. Like it's we're not, yeah. we're not at the beginning of it, but it's kind of been here. And then I read this one article that I was like, they hit the nail on the head. The folks who are driving the great resignation, who I think are the folks I'm looking for, right? The younger folks who are like mm-hmm. very tech savvy, you know, creative, willing to look outside of the box because they haven't been in the box for very long. Mm-hmm. They've never lived through a recession or at least they, mm-hmm. haven't, they haven't worked through a recession, I guess. Yeah. Right? They don't know what it's like. I barely know what it's like. I started my career in 2008. I was lucky I had a job back then and yeah. I was just excited to be making $45,000 a year. Like I, was, yeah. I was so thrilled. I felt like I was rich, right? I remember those times. My dad was probably making that and like, you know, losing his mind on how he was going to pay for his mortgage, right? Yeah. But that generation, they're not thinking about, you know, the same things that we might be considering. And they're really re- leading the charge, right? Yeah. And I think it's inspiring. Totally. Honestly, you know, it makes it makes everyone to sit back and think, okay, is this really fulfilling me? I also think acknowledging the privilege of people in our position and the positions we're talking about where they can, you know, change jobs, et cetera. But for the sake, we're talking about business operations, mostly in tech. So most people are in a pretty good position. Have you changed your hiring plans at all or as a result of what's going on? I haven't personally. I did repurpose a couple of roles as we continue to change you know, again, we want to make sure that we're being responsible in this time and how we grow changes because of that. Right. And so where I maybe had some ideas that I could have roles support specific functions, I'm now having them support others. Have I cut any heads? No, thankfully, but I have repurposed, which is, you know, feels good. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. Okay, so moving on. I want to talk about operations in general. In your opinion, how are they changing a result of these two changes in the market? Yeah. And by the way, just your last question, I'm realizing I, I too am in a very fortunate position. 
that I'm not having to cut heads. And I, I realize that that can change, right? That, that can definitely change. And, you know, I think just like a guiding principle that I want to keep in mind is like, how do I make the people that exist, you know, more efficient? And that's actually, I think, where you and I started our original conversation is like, how am I growing my team, right? And that's something I was newer at. I've never scaled a team to 25 people. I'm sure there are people who aren't working as efficiently as others, right? So that's something I constantly have to keep in mind. And I'm really trying to grow into is like, how do I ensure that, you know, God forbid something does happen or, you know, just in general, right, to ensure that we're as 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 productive as possible. So I wanted to recognize that privilege a little bit and realize that it's not always going to be that way, potentially. Awesome. Um, Very true. Yes. OK, so your question, because I, I realized I probably should have bit my tongue a little bit. No, good. We're having a conversation. <laughs> this is perfect. So, yeah, the question is, how are operations, in your opinion, specifically changing as a result of the recession oh. and the uh, Great Resignation? Yeah. So I think and it kind of goes back to the initial thing I said that like uh, ops doesn't feel new, but the reality is, is it is still pretty new in like how we acknowledge it. And, you know, I think most, you know, ops folks that I speak with, what they really struggle with is consistently having to prove their value. Right. And, you know, it's hard because keeping the lights on and driving an additional one million dollars of revenue are both important, but only one really gets the attention of people, right? So it's like, for me personally, I think it's a very personal thing. It, it's been a learning opportunity for me that I'm constantly telling my business stakeholders, like, you don't know how hard it is to, you know, keep the lights on, to ensure Salesforce doesn't break, to, you know, maintain this Tableau dashboard that is giving you all this really important information to route a lead to the right person in Australia, right? You don't know how difficult that is. It just feels like it's supposed to happen. But, you know, I was having a really honest conversation with a stakeholder and I kind of was like, wouldn't it feel great if I was able to identify X amount of dormant opportunity that I could then provide to the team? And so it's like, how do you manage that time to make sure that you're doing both? And I think that's really what ops folks are really being challenged with right now mm. is like, how do we prove our value during this time? So, you know, our business stakeholders know, like the last thing we want to lose is ops, right? There's a lot of folks we can lose, but keeping, you know, all of our salespeople and getting rid of our sales ops team won't actually work in our favor. No, if they're, no. Again, if they're, if they're faced with that, and I hope yeah. no one is faced with that, but yeah. So uh, I, I, that's sort of where I think ops is at and being challenged with at this time is like constantly having to prove value. And now more mm. than ever, as folks have to face, you know, the potential of a layoff, which would be an awful thing to have happen. Well, and ops is so involved in those decisions because it's the data that they are providing that is informing those decisions. Yeah. So it's extremely yeah. important right now. Yeah. 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 It's a huge part of our job. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So we have a question from audience member Michael Levy. Hi, Michael. He says, Zara commented that ops doesn't get recognized for its role in accelerating revenue. They also get short shrift in budget. How do you address that disparity? Yeah, that's such a great question. And as my team has started to grow, I think I've had to become more conscious of that. So I think everyone's always looking for a magic number, right? If I have 100 sales reps, how many ops people can I justifiably ask for? And I've been, you know, texting my old bosses being like, what's what's the magic number? What's the ratio? And they're always like, that's not an, a question that I can answer for you. Right. You have to first understand, like, the complexity of your business. So first, you have to be able to, like, simply articulate why it's a complex business. If it is, 
And if it's not, you have to be able to acknowledge that and, and properly staff. I believe we're a high velocity business. We're adding new products. We're doing a lot of really great things. Um, you know, I, I believe that we are complex. I think that we, we do need, you know, to be able to, to staff accordingly. But then everyone kind of ends with like a, there's about a 10 to 1 ratio. That's where people always land. There's a 10 to 1 ratio. So if I think I'm more complex, I need to have somewhere maybe a little above 10 to 1. Today, I actually have below that, which, you know, then sort of leads me to believe like, well, where are people spending their time? Some people are spending their time cross-functionally to ensure that we keep growing. Right. So that cuts it even more. And then I have to think beyond that and say, like, you know, we have systems folks in our team. Some companies, systems sits in IT. Is the 10 to 1 with systems or is it without? So there's so many questions I have to ask myself and I have to form my own opinions. And I have to be able to articulate them to the powers that be. Where I think you have the most leverage is if you can convince your business stakeholder that with the resources that you have, you're doing as well of a job as you possibly can. And the only way to continue to accelerate is if you add. Um, obviously, again, we're talking about maintaining, I think, during a potential recession. So I think the conversation can also be like why you would need to maintain. Right. The next question I actually can see is related to like um, using like analytics or stats to justify the ops team's value. I think those mm. go hand in hand. Right. And that's something I'm also working to try to do. Right. We have a ticketing system today that we do over Slack, which is not scalable. The folks who handle it you know, are constantly inundated. And then moving that to a system actually takes the systems team time. So like, it's kind of like finding that balance of like, okay, to scale, there are certain things we have to do. What can we pass up and which ones can we not? I know that's a pretty complicated answer and it's a little long winded, but I could talk about it for hours because it it takes up my day to day, um, all of my thinking. So well, it's an important question, and, and thank yeah. you for answering both those questions from our live audience members, and thank you both for asking. Yeah. Keep them coming, guys. We're going to keep on chatting. So we're seeing massive layoffs at some of the largest tech companies. How do you think operations within those companies will play a role in getting them through these times? Yeah, so again, I, I know I sound a little bit like a, a broken record, but I do think that if ops can focus on what they can do to accelerate revenue, they can obviously help improve the company's performance and in turn improve their ability to like not have layoffs or, or hire more people again. So I think, you know, one thing that, and again, I'm, I'm coming from a place of like, I struggle with this. So a lot of what I'm saying is aspirational and I'm constantly learning. So I'm not trying to say I know, but I think one thing that I want to improve at as I continue to hire and build up my bench and get more time to myself is like, you know, how do you think ahead? How, how are you actually going to be proactive? How do you identify areas of the business where you can create some opportunity? And I think a lot of times ops leaders feel the pressure and, you know, ops individuals feel the pressure to come up with something, you know, extraordinary, right? Something no one's thought of. But I even think today, like, you know, we recently did a, a change in how we enrich our system, right? And I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, we have all this new data in our system. Who is sitting down and looking at, you know, can we just like find opportunity that no one's looking at? Right. And like, yeah. how do you get the time to do that? And there's so many areas where we can say like, and I don't think anyone's looking for anything extraordinary. I think that's what people want out of ops. Like, you know, proactivity, excitement about the idea of generating new opportunity. One thing that when I was at my last company, you know, was much smaller. I got excited when we hit our number. But now I'm in this team of 25 people, and sometimes I don't even know if the folks on my team know if we hit our number or not. Right? <laughs> what they're thinking about. They're just kind of like excited to keep going and get their next ops project done. Yeah, yeah. 
but the ops team can really become a part of the sales org and feel that same when you win, we win kind of feeling. I think that really, you know, drives that importance of like, okay, like we're working together, we're collaborating. And again, for me, this is aspirational. I can't pretend like I've done it perfectly, but it's something I'm constantly working at. Yeah, there's a level of collaboration that with the the function that ops supports, whether it be customer success, sales, um, legal, is sharing those wins with the people who sure. kind of you help get across that finish line. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And nothing functions without ops behind it. And right? I think nothing ops is a bad rep, right? People think that it's it, it's always like the relationships are led with contention. And it's right. Like, you can do a really good job at 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 avoiding that. And again, I, I, we've had our own fair share, but I think we, we do a really good job at trying to maintain that level of collaboration and understanding. Right. And it also comes from education, right? Like yeah. when I re- send a request to ops and I'm explained in detail why that, you know, why the timeline is longer than I thought it would be, or like how I can ask for things more in advance to, you know, because it takes longer yeah. than I thought. Like once I know what goes in into it, I'm very understanding. But I think that like yeah. there's a lack of education about what ops actually does. Totally. In the other silos. Yeah. That can I totally agree. Folks yeah. will message me in the middle of the night because I still have like some automated Salesforce emails being like, hey, you just sent me this email. And I'm like, at midnight? <laughs> <laughs> that's the reality you're like i'm you're like i'm an ops i automated it come on <laughs> exactly. once and upon that, a time when i was still doing that job yeah that leads me to my next question what role does automation play in all this right like we're seeing yeah. people people having to lay people off like obviously automation will play a big role in that we're seeing people hiring a ton more people like where does it fit into that yeah i would be lying if i didn't say like a few years ago like the idea of enhanced automation really freaked me out because I was like, am I going to get worked out of a job? But I think the more (laughs) I've seen, so I I hired a really phenomenal uh, systems leader uh, when she was still, you know, a a solo admin and, you know, she, she already had great potential and I I knew it. I knew she was going to get a great team. And I think seeing how much her team has built and automated and the kind of, you know, nuance she's been able to drive is amazing. And it makes me realize like, wow, we're always going to need people. We're always going to need folks to continue doing more and sell more because like we can do so much. Right. One thing I will say that's kind of a double edged sword about automation is the more you automate, I think the less value people realize, like put into how complex that is. Um, one thing I've noticed is that, you know, we always have folks being like, well, can you just do this? Can't you just do this? You're doing this. Why can't you do this? And, you know, we, we put out a lot, um, systems wise. And I, I mean, I, I credit the systems team uh, in my group. They're phenomenal. It's led by Catherine Logan. If anyone hears this, don't try to poach her. I'll keep her forever. But she's, you know, just I, I think like the more you can do, the more people are going to expect, which is a double edged sword. But, you know, it leads to a company like this where you're growing like crazy and you're, you know, doing really well. So I automa- automation is just huge. I, I can't I can't even be articulated about it. I love it so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really is like the ops person's best friend, and it, yeah. it's you know, it doesn't take an ops person's job away. It just adv- enhances their skill set, right? Because someone has 100%. to build that automation. It's not just the simplest thing to do. A plug. I'm. Um, I know we're sharing time, but I'm. I'm an no, admin, and I always recommend my analysts and my deal desk folks to try to go for their 
their Salesforce certificate because like the more you know about how it's possible, the better you're going to be for your stakeholders, right? There are a lot of folks out there who are I've met in like the ops community who kind of like don't really know how systems work because they're very much on the process side. They won't know the basics. And I'm like, you, you'll never be strong as an ops leader if you can't articulate what you can and can't do and how far it can go. Yeah, we need to be told no. Yeah. Like everyone needs to be told no. And this is why we can't do it. Yeah. Or not right um, now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Otherwise you get shadow IT and it's a mess. Totally. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah. One more question here before before I let you go. Um, and if anyone has questions in the audience, please feel free to send them out. Um, so morale is low. How are you keeping it high right now for your team? Yeah, um, I'm totally going to toot my own horn on this one, but I really have to give credit to my team. Um, we do like a quarterly culture ramp survey, and uh, thankfully our, our team, we score one of the highest in the company at all times. And it's I, I take that as a, a personal success and also for my team because, like, being in ops is not easy. You're constantly, you know – doing all the hard work to keep the lights on. And then people are complaining when like that one little thing breaks, right? It doesn't feel good always. But I think what's really important is building, and and this gets harder the smaller of a team you're in. So you really have to focus on like maintaining it is like building a really strong team like that really, really supports each other. And like, I think what's important is like, you really have to respect your team and show that respect on a regular basis. I remember a person on my team was pretty senior now when she was in an IC role we were at some event and I introduced her to someone and I said, I get to work with her. Like, I didn't say like, Oh, she reports to me or anything. And she like later on reached out to me and she was like, I I can't believe you said that no one's ever introduced me like that as a manager. And it's, it's because like, I, I, I can't do my job without any of them. And they need to know that they need to know they're just as important. Going back to what we said, like money's not everything for them anymore. Right. Or for, for anyone really anymore. It's so much more. It's the respect. It's the drive. It's the excitement. It's, you know, and honestly, most of my one-on-ones are just like, how are you doing? How's the cat? When are you going on vacation? And I think I think people need that, right? And I, I think, you know, a lot of people are scared about doing that, maybe crossing a line or something. So you have to make sure that you're you're doing it. Don't just let it go. Just make sure you're doing it responsibly and, and you know, thoughtfully. I completely agree. Having a personal relationship with your team is huge. And knowing that your manager cares about you as a person um, really? creates loyalty and it, it might keep you from leaving. Yeah, I mean, run. I'm excited to come in, right? I, I, I yeah. love seeing you folks, even when it's hard. So I think I think it goes a long way. Good. All right. Well, we are out of time, so I will let you go. Zara, thank you. This has been an amazing 30 minutes. I wish we could chat for longer. You have so I many interesting insights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone <have> that. <laughs> and thanks for everyone who's listening in. Have a great thank rest you. of your day. See you around. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 